One thing I learned as a very small child that when you're among spirit-filled people, you allow and give permission for man-made agenda to be interrupted. We still believe and embrace the leadership of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I wonder if there would be some redeemed folks in this house, some saved folks that would just lift both hands to heaven right now and just begin to worship him with a loud voice. Just begin to praise him from, from the depths of your soul. My God, my God. Lord, we praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, we worship you, Lord. We worship you. We pray. We declare it, Lord. Oh, you are awesome, God. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor if you really mean this. And would you say to them, I feel Jesus in this place? Would you turn to your other neighbor and say, I feel Jesus in this place? God bless you. You may be seated. In prayer, the Lord led me and inspired me to designate the month of January to see the miraculous power of Christ manifested and praying to that end and seeking God to that end. There are many miracles that Jesus performed when he was upon the earth. And I think sometimes we miss some of the meanings in the miracles. So for the next few Sundays, I, I want to share in a, some messages as the Lord leads on meanings in the miracles of Jesus. Today I want to talk about it's time to move. It's time to move. Matthew chapter 11. Then we're also going to be in Gospel of Mark, chapter 8. Matthew, chapter 11. Beginning at verse 20. Then began he, being Jesus, to upbraid 
the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Chorazin. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. If you flip over to Mark chapter 8, another time, another occasion. Verse 22 says, And he, again being Jesus, cometh to Bethsaida. And they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. When he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town, nor tell it to any that are in the town. Would you extend your hand this direction and pray God's blessing and anointing upon his servant, his word, and upon our ears to hear and receive. Father, we bless you today. We are keenly aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit in this house. God, I pray that, Lord, for these few moments that we have remaining together, that the same anointing that we sense in the worship time and hour would be manifested here. We're reminded today that what Paul said when he said, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Lord, today I pray that as we hear the word, that our faith will be encouraged, that our faith will be strengthened, even, Lord, to the point of receiving that miracle that we so desperately search after, that miracle that we so desperately need. We believe for it, we thank you for it, and we claim it in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus. And the church said, Amen. It's time to move. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to move. This life of faith is certainly an adventure. A normal day can turn on a dime because of the hand that life deals to you and I. And then there are those times that God, in a moment, on an ordinary day, asks you to do something that is radical, that is unexpected, that is surprising. That's the life of faith for a child of God. And of course, when the Lord asks us to do something different and radical and unexpected, it obviously goes against the grain of who we are. We are, after all, creatures of habit and routine. I find myself mowing the lawn a certain way every single time. I floss my teeth at certain times of the day. 
We like our coffee, a particular brew. We like our eggs cooked a certain way. Over easy for me at Cracker Barrel so I can sop the egg with my biscuit. I mean, I will send that egg back if it comes out hard. We are creatures of habit. That's why 90% of you are sitting in exactly the same seat that you sat in last Sunday. And oftentimes, miracles are hard to come by because it means we have to do things that are extremely unfamiliar to us. See, the familiar is comfortable. The familiar is steady. The familiar requires very little faith. And too often, if we're not careful, we compromise our spirituality because of our familiarity. And we miss out on some God-sized miracles and blessings. But I stand before you today with confidence that today, I believe today, in this hour, God is wanting to do something spectacular and miraculous in your life, in your body, in your church, in your ministry. But you must be willing as people of God to step out of the ordinary into the extraordinary. You've got to be willing to step out of the familiar and move into the unfamiliar. We serve a God that is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He does not change, but yet he says to us, Behold, I will do a new thing. But before that new thing happens, he calls for us to leave the familiar territory. As we see in this miracle today, this blind man was led out of familiar territory. Now before I talk about that specifically, let me just remind you of the first passage of Scripture that I read to you today in Matthew chapter 11. The Lord Jesus had gone to a few towns and performed some mighty miracles and some mighty wonders and signs had been done in, in, in Chorazin and, and, and Bethsaida and, and Capernaum and other places. He had, he had performed great miracles and yet the whole city would, would not turn to the Lord. It made no difference to them. It didn't change their heart from the inside out. And it, it said that most of his mighty works had been done in those cities. Those whole cities had seen more displays of power and, and miracles than other cities had beheld. They had seen miracles and healings. They had heard teachings and, and preachings. They had seen signs and wonders and and one of those cities, one of those towns uh, was called Bethsaida. And it seems that in these cities and in Bethsaida specifically, no one responded. Or they seem unmoved by the powerful hand uh, of Jesus Christ that is performing miracles in their midst. And as a result of their doubt and their unbelief, uh, the scripture tells us that these cities, and more specifically for this morning's purpose, the city of Bethsaida was under a whole curse from the Lord. He pronounced a woe upon them. Let me just stop here and tell you when you read in the word of God where the Lord God Almighty in the Old Testament or Jesus in the New Testament pronounces a woe on anyone or any town, that's bad news. 
That's bad news. If the Lord ever pronounced a woe on anyone here, that's not good news for you. That, that's terrible news for anyone. So Jesus is in Bethsaida, and he's come now on a different occasion. And a blind man has been brought to him. The word says that the friends of the blind man had besought Jesus to touch him. Let me just stop here and say I'm thankful for friends that tell me about Jesus. We're all here today as trophies of grace because somewhere, sometime, at some point, someone told us about the good news of Jesus Christ. Somebody told us that Jesus loved us. Somebody told us that Jesus cared about us. But you know what's even more than when somebody tells me about Jesus? It's when they bring me to Jesus. It's when you bring someone to the Lord. It's great to share your testimony. But, oh, God, raise us up to have a boldness like these friends and literally bring their blind man, their blind friend uh, to Jesus and bring them to the master. Something very unusual, though, when they do bring their blind friend to the Lord, something unusual happens. This Jesus who has at other times spoken healing into someone's body, he does not speak healing. At sometimes uh, when someone has come to him, he's just laid hands on them and they received their miracle. At that moment, instantly, the Lord can speak a word and healing can come. The Lord can lay his hand upon you and healing can come. But here he does something very unusual. He suddenly grabs the blind man by the hand and he begins to lead him out of the town limits. Uh, why not speak a word? Why not uh, just lay your hands on him and cause those blinded eyes to see? I asked myself that question this week and, and the answers I come up to, well, maybe Jesus was trying to avoid the public excitement and maybe he was trying to avoid the idle curiosity for this man. But I came to this conclusion and we could speculate as to all the reasons why he took him by the hand and led him out of town. But I would submit to you that the greatest reason he took him by the hand and led him out of town was because he needed to move him out of the town and atmosphere of unbelief. He needed to take him out of the cursed place. He needed to take him out of the barren place. Let me just stop and preach for a few moments. How many of you know atmosphere is critical to the miracle work power of Christ. How many of you know it's not just about the preacher and the worship leader and the band and the, and the singers, but everybody in the house contributes to an atmosphere of faith. As a matter of fact, I'll go so far as to remind us today that, that Jesus literally put doubters and scoffers out of an atmosphere, out of a room when he wanted to perform a miracle. I don't know about you, but I still believe in people of faith. But people of faith have to be people that also believe. When you come to the house of God, you have to believe this is my day. I believe this is my day that I'm going to get my miracle. I believe this is my day where I'm going to get the display of God's power in my life. I call myself a person of faith, but I'm telling you, I'm coming to the house of God today believing that God is going to manifest his power and I'm going to see a difference in my life and in my family and in my situation. Everyone needs to be believers. In an atmosphere of worship, the band has to be believers. Teachers have to be believers. Singers have to be 
believers. Leaders have to be believers. Don't teach. Don't lead. Don't sing. Don't play. No matter how good you may be, if you don't believe, don't do anything in ministry. There's a novel thought. <laughs> you see, I want an atmosphere of faith. When I come together, I want to I want to have an atmosphere of faith, and I want to be around people who believe. We need people of belief. I find myself signing texts that I send out and messenger that I send out. I find myself doing it more and more frequently. With a, with a, uh, it's become my motto for 2017, and it's carrying over into 2018, and it's Psalms 27 and 13. And it's the psalmist writing these words, I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I still believe. It doesn't matter how I feel. I'm still going to believe. It doesn't matter what things look like around me. I'm still going to believe. It doesn't matter what the skeptics say and the people that make fun of my God. I'm telling you, I'm still going to believe. I'm reminded of what Jesus told Thomas when Thomas said, won't believe unless I see. And he showed him the nail prints in his hands and he showed him where the spear had riveted his side in John chapter 20. And, and Thomas said, now I believe. And he looked at him and I'll never forget these words. He looked at him and he said, Thomas, because you have seen, you have believed. But then he went on to pronounce a blessing. And that was, this was the blessing. Blessed are those who have not seen, but yet they still believe. I'm among some believers today. I believe I'm among some Christians today that came to the house of God with an expectancy that this is my day. I don't have to wait till next Sunday. I don't have to wait till I go to the doctor for a follow-up appointment. I serve the divine physician and healing is mine in Jesus' name. Well, praise the Lord. See, as I was looking at this, I was reminded the blind people, they have some things that are very important to them. I don't know a lot of folks that are blind, and I don't know a lot about blind people. But there are some assumptions I can safely make. First of all, blind people must have the familiar to survive. Familiar places, familiar order, everything's in order in their home. Their knives and their forks, they're always in the same place. They know the right amount of steps to each room. Everything is in the same place all the time. You don't hide a, a blind man's toothbrush. You don't move a blind man's pillow. A blind man doesn't move his furniture around in his house. A longtime friend of ours told us several years ago, we go over to their house frequently for a meal. We walk in, I declare every single time I went to this couple's house, the furniture was changed around. And I mean, we hung out with them a lot. Like on a weekly basis, we were having a meal with them. Great Christian couple, still good friends to this day. And one day I asked her, I said, Diane, why in the world do you change your furniture every single week? To which she responded, 
That's what you do when you ain't got no money to go shopping for new furniture. (laughs) Blind people don't move their furniture. I also know that blind people rely upon familiar people, friends and neighbors that they know are going to watch out for them. And it was friends that came to him and said, a man named Jesus is here, and he heals blind people. And if you will allow us to, we will lead you to him. They may have even gone further and said, he'll probably just speak a word over you. He'll probably just lay his hands upon you. And so the blind man is thinking, well, these are my friends. I've been blind all these years. This sounds good to me. These friends are very trustworthy. And I sure am desperate to have my sight restored. I'll say it again. Thank God for friends that bring us to Jesus. Not only is it familiar surroundings and familiar people, but I also know this about blind people, is that they're, they're led by familiar touch and familiar sounds. They know more than anyone else the sound of the dogs in the neighborhood. They can tell when the mailman is coming, unique from everyone else in the neighborhood as they pull into their garage. Their sense of hearing is much higher for a blind man because one sense is compensating for the loss of another sense. With one of the five senses gone, the other four senses kick in. And so the scripture tells us that they led this man, this blind man out to Jesus. But Jesus doesn't do it exactly like they thought he would do it. They thought he would just speak a word or lay his hands on him and blind, the blindness would be, would be taken away and the sight would be restored. But Jesus does something totally different. Jesus takes him by the hand and walks toward the town limits. He takes him by the hand and he leads him out of the town limits. So what I want you to grasp today is that he's leaving familiar surroundings and he's leaving with an unfamiliar person and he's hearing an unfamiliar voice and he's hearing unfamiliar sounds. It's not what he expected but the time had come for him to move. Now was the time to move. No matter how uncomfortable and how unfamiliar things were faith had to step up and move forward. Let me tell you something. And I've said this myself, and you have as well. Desperate times call for desperate measures. I'm going to tweak that a little bit and tell you that desperate times call for obedient measures. (laughs) What are you saying? I'm saying if you're desperate enough, 
you'll take hold of the hand of Jesus. It doesn't matter where he leads you. It doesn't matter what mountain you have to climb, what valley you have to travel through, what desert you have to cross. The bottom line is where Jesus goes, I'm going to go. And if that means that I have to leave my family, I'll leave my family. If it means I have to give up some of my friends, I'll leave my friends. If it means I have to leave the atmosphere of doubt and unbelief, I'll do it. I'm holding on to the unchanging hand of Jesus, and I know that wherever Jesus leads me, it makes me a potential candidate for a supernatural miracle in my life. We walk by faith and not by sight. This man lived that out literally. (laughs) This man proved it. Could it be that it's time for you to allow Jesus to lead you out of that familiar place of doubt, depression, despair, and skepticism? Is it time? Is it time for you to simply believe for a good report, no matter what the report of the physician says? You see, some of us have slipped into the old doldrums in our Christian faith, in our Christian walk, we've settled for our diagnosis. We've settled for the report. We've settled for the pain that we live with day in and day out. But the Lord has sent me by here to tell you it's time to get out of the familiar and receive your miracle. It's time to get out of the familiar and do something great for God. It's time to quit worrying about what other people think and get saturated with the awesome presence of Jehovah. John the Baptist left the familiar. He was destined and in line for the high office of priest. And he left that and went out into the wilderness and made his menu locust and wild honey. Became a, ma- a very hairy man with garments that would not lead you to believe that he was going to be a great man of God. But when he came back, he came back as the great forerunner of Jesus. He left the familiar place. He left the familiar place, and God used him in a mighty way. Paul, when called of the Lord, he left the familiar place having sat as a, as a scholar himself in the Jewish laws and traditions at the feet of Gamaliel. But when God got a hold of him, the Scripture will teach you and teach me that he did not. He said he even said these words, I did not confer with flesh and blood. He, he, the Scripture and history teaches us that he would go into the Arabian desert for three and a half years and three and a half years away from all of the educators in the Jewish law. He would have one-on-one encounter with the Holy Spirit so that when he would write these later words later, I came not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration and in power. It's because he was willing Brother Weaver to leave the familiar to go out into a place where it was just him and God to do something different. I'm telling you, he left the place of prestige, the place of familiarity and God used him in a mighty way. Can I tell you something today? Sometimes a change of scenery is in order. 
Sometimes a change of company is in order. We come into the house of God and we get refueled and, and we get tanked up and we go out and by Monday evening we've listened to so much negativity by friends that we've chosen to spend time with and all they do is drag us down until the following Sunday we're barely getting to the house of God. I'm telling you right now, we've got to know the company that we keep. Sometimes you got to change the scenery. Sometimes you got to change the company. Sometimes the atmosphere needs to change. It's going all out for the all in all. It's going all out. It's doing something radical and different than you've ever done before. It's caused desperate times call for obedient measures, which leaves you saying, wherever you lead me, I will follow. It's fasting if fasting is the leading. It's giving a seed if giving is the leading. It's praying longer if praying longer is the leading. It's memorizing Scripture if memorizing Scripture is the leading. It's calling that soul. It's standing on the street corner. It's doing something crazy. Doing something radical. It's giving up that entertainment that's questionable, that addiction that repels faith and accommodates doubt. You can't smoke like a freight train and ask God to heal you of lung cancer. How dare you? Well, that bounced back. It's doing the things that are unfamiliar, that are, that are new, that you've never done before. And I really like this last thing, and I'm getting ready to close. But I like this last part. He said, and I won't get into all the specifics of the miracle, and there's a lot there. But I like what when Jesus healed the blind man, after he had taken him out of the town limits, after he had taken him out of the cursed city. You know what he said to him? Don't go back to town. Don't go back to the cursed place. Don't go back to the world. God didn't just deliver the Jews from Egyptian bondage. He delivered them for Canaan land. And I believe God has called us to a limitless place of bounty, provision, destiny, healing, just this morning as I was praying, Brother Asa, I, I, I felt a check in my spirit. Jesus is to be a public spectacle. This morning, I believe the Lord wants us to be obedient publicly and not just devoted privately. I have such a burden 
because there are so many afflicted people in this house today. And I believe that it is not just a pastor's burden to bear. I believe we are to bear one another's burdens. I can't stand cancer. I can't stand heart disease. I can't stand migraine headaches. But I'm telling you right now, I believe there's faith and belief in the room. I believe that the atmosphere is charged full enough that the hand of God can bring healing to anyone and everyone in the house. I told you earlier, I think sometimes we, we Pentecostals can get a little too sophisticated. This crazy guy you see today is going to be the same crazy guy you see in a building twice the size of this one. It's not going to change. If you're looking for a sophisticated preacher, you're looking in the wrong direction. I believe in being led of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter how many or how few are present among us. We are spirit-led children of God.